0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. 15, 20, 25,
1: 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And the kick is blocked! The college football world!
0: What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Colleges podcast. It's the week zero preview and preseason futures recap. We'll get a little independence talk in there as well. We're here. We're a day away from actual games. I'm stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. I mean, look, it's today is while you're listening, it's Christmas morning. You ready to go?
2: I'm excited. You know, I mean, I was there's only so much ESPNU I can watch. I mean, I can telegraph the plays from the. The games from last year, I'm I'm looking for a live line. I'm looking for a halftime line with all these games that have been on TV this week. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm full. I'm ready for the whole thing,
0: the whole enchilada. Yeah. So we'll get to the two FCS games. It's a surprise that Colin doesn't know about. I'll cover them very quickly. And we will obviously cover the two main attraction games on Saturday night. You know, I'm not a big fan of week zero. But if we are going to start week zero, I like the fact that it's Florida and Miami. I mean, what was it last year? UMass in Hawaii, I think Mm -hmm. was the first game. And then, you know, Hawaii, Arizona is an entertaining game. We'll cover both of those. We will talk with John Murray, Westgate Superbook director. We'll talk about some futures and what he's seeing there uh, as far as exposure. And then, you know, we'll get into our playoff predictions, our national championship predictions, and then preview those independent teams, the six that we have left, if you missed our prior episodes, go check them out. They are just filled with info. We did a group of five, obviously separate episodes for the Power 5, two for the SEC. Um, so go check them out if you missed them. Just to give everyone a heads up, this podcast, just like last year, we will have episodes on Monday recapping the weekend. We're actually going to preview Monday Night Football as well. Talk maybe a little more NFL this year. Uh, and then, you know, we'll have our voicemails. We'll preview the weekday college football games Then we're going to have an episode, uh, a fantasy football episode for those that do fantasy that comes out on Wednesday. Neither of us will be a part of that, but we have the best fantasy crew in the business. And then I'm actually going to be hosting the NFL show this weekend, which will come out on Thursdays. And then just like before, we'll have our Thursday episode that we record, previewing the entire Saturday college football slate that comes out on Fridays. Excited to get to work here. It's the calm before the storm. There's no sleep in sight until April. Uh, so let's get right into it. This is probably our most listened to episode every summer because we recap our favorite bets. Preseason bets So whether they're win totals, futures, Uh, for every conference. So we recommended maybe three or four in some conferences. We're going to stick to our favorite couple for each conference. So let's just go alphabetically here and start in the AAC. I don't love a lot of futures uh, in the AAC, but I did find a future that I'm willing to take a shot on, and that's Tulane. You can find them about 35 to 1 to win the conference. Difficult schedule, but this team has a ton of upside. I'm just, I'm just buying the upside. I don't like the win total, but at 35 to one, anything 25, 30 to one north of there is fine. If everything falls into place, this could be one of the most surprising group of five teams to me. You have Justin McMillan back at quarterback. Excellent skill position players. The defense should be solid once again. I love their coach. So you know, if things fall into place, and maybe what is a more vulnerable AAC than others might be thinking. I'm going to just buy the upside of Tulane and take a shot here. I also am going to bet the number on Temple. We've talked about this. You're not a fan of the new hire Rod Carey as head coach, but it's six and a half. I have to play it. I make the win total closer to eight. I think you make it 8.25. There's a lot to like about this team. You know, Anthony Russo, the offensive line should be solid. Defensive Defense should be solid. Once again, they host both UCF and Memphis. You know, I have to play the over six and a half on Temple. So those are my two favorite in the AAC. Temple over six and a half wins and Tulane 35 to one. That's my big shot. Just really it's a lottery ticket, but I'm I'm taking a shot with the green wave down in New Orleans. How about you? What are you thinking in the AAC?
2: Massive game for Tulane, uh straight up with Florida International. Two teams I'd really like. So that's you know, that's gonna get primetime TV for me at seven PM on uh on what? What is that? I think a Thursday night that's gonna be yeah, a kick. Thursday so, night. Yeah, angry Wave. So AAC, I'm going East Carolina over four. Uh four and a half is out there too. I would take that. That's stellar hire with Mike Houston from James Madison. Uh they have a quarterback that uh, has been dubbed mini Tebow. Stuck was right on the last podcast. Their, their defense got trucked by everybody. And if you can know, just improve on that, maybe just a little bit on all parts of the defense, just proper tackling and, and missed assignments and maybe simplify the defensive schemes. It's a whole new coaching staff. So you don't know if that'll kind of clean up, uh, you know, with Scotty Montgomery going out the door, there wasn't an AD forever at East Carolina. The schedule includes Gardner, Webb, and William and Mary. I think they can make A lot of noise. I think they're going to get back to what we remember East Carolina football being, say, 10 years ago. So I like them to go over their win total. And I'm going to take Memphis to win the AAC. I've seen numbers out there that there's some you need to shop around because this opened up somewhere five to one at some shops back in May. Uh, I've seen it at 350 in some places. I've seen it at 250 in some places. And I saw one book at one plus 175. So do your shopping. But everything with Memphis just screams it's going to be their season. They can challenge to be the best G5. The schedule is kind. They don't have to play UCF from the other side. Uh, They had the highest ranking uh, in second order win total for anybody in the ACC. uh, So that, you know, it's a metric that shows that they actually should have had a much better record last year than what they actually had. They had one of the best explosiveness ratings last year with an ISO PPP mark of 1.37. And they returned almost everybody. I mean, even with Daryl Henderson gone at running back, they still got plenty in that stable that can take over. Uh, They have a great schedule to host the AAC game. And I'll take that at, plus money any day to host uh, there in the Liberty bowl, uh, probably against central Florida.
0: Yeah. That schedule is just extremely easy. We talked about it. They could start 10, 11 at 0 very easily. Uh, and in regards to Tulane that will Hall hire Hallball, ball. I think their offense is going to take the next step this year, especially now that they have Jalen McCleskey, the transfer from Oklahoma state. I think he's a game changer. Uh, I wish Tulane had an easier schedule. I'm sure I wouldn't get as generous of a number, uh, but I'm trusting really Fritz here. Uh, so let's move on to the ACC, which really should be renamed the Atlantic Clemson Conference. Uh, there's really no reason why Clemson shouldn't win uh, another ACC title. Although, Colin, who were you calling for to win the ACC? Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> Pitt
2: in Florida State. That's right. Now, I mean, if you if you like to burn your money, yeah, Pitt, Pitt over Florida State. <laughs>
0: uh, so it was actually really tough for me to find any win totals in the ACC. And the reason I don't see any value in Clemson, look, they can drop a game and they'll still win the ACC. And there's so many teams that are in the middle of the pack that are so, you know, close together and they're power rated similarly. That there's so many coin flips. There's just no reason to tie up your money for that long. Uh, the only preseason bet that I have in the ACC that I really like, I bet I have some small money on UNC under Georgia Tech under, with all of those scheme changes. I think a lot can go wrong uh, with both of those squads. Uh, But I really like Virginia Tech over eight wins. You know, look, this is a team that I think – has a lot of positive regression coming their way after last year. They dealt with a lot of injuries. Their defense was atrocious, but it was extremely young. So more experienced units should improve in Bud Foster's last year in Blacksburg. <clears throat> I ultimately just trust Foster and, you know, the, the defense, would should be more grown up. Also, you know, the schedule is just very favorable. If I think they should be favored by at least a touchdown, maybe double digits in eight games. So if they just win those eight games, they get the eight wins and you push this. know, let's assume they lose at Notre Dame. That leaves three road games to get the nine at Miami, at Virginia, at Boston College. You know, essentially three coin flips at Miami would be the toughest. But, you know, Virginia, they beat 15 years in a row. Uh, And Boston College, I think they're a three and a half point favorite in week one. I just don't see this team winning fewer than eight games. So I'm willing to take the upside here and getting a couple extra. And what is, you know, a very favorable uh, schedule for the Hokies. So I like a bounce back season here. For Virginia Tech Uh, what are you seeing in the ACC
2: so I'm gonna go with two bets Uh, the first one's gonna be Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman Uh, I think there are still some three-to-ones out there uh, if you look around there's a narrative that's (laughs) people are trying to finally starting to pick up I'm starting to see on mainstream media people are starting to realize that Tua was not the same quarterback people are starting to figure out that when his level of competition steps up he hasn't been so fantastic well I got news for everybody Tua is going to have the same schedule in November again this year. Trevor Lawrence is, is rolling through the garbage that, that is the ACC. Uh, so, and you know, they end the season uh, going up against South Carolina. The, the schedule is just way too easy. And Trevor Lawrence is going to put up massive amounts of numbers. The narrative is already starting to build out there. Uh, you know, for those people that are fans of, of uh, Colin Coward, he came out and said that uh, Trevor Lawrence was a surefire player. NFL hall of famer. And he said, he just, I don't say that about a 19 year old kid. And And when I hear that, I think everybody is starting to catch on. And this is the narrative that's starting to be built out there. This is something we were on last year. It's why we love Clemson last year. It's why we faded Alabama. A big part of us being Alabama this year, what it has to do with their coordinators and such, but to his health is a real question. The offensive line is a real question. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman. It just seems like the hype machine on a national level is starting up. And I don't think that number is going to be around for very long. Uh, Granted, he gets through the Texas A&M game. He He can get through that game without getting hurt, and hopefully they can win the game. I don't think the odds should ever go over uh, 3-1. to Other than that, in the ACC, I'm going to take Florida State over 7.5. The hiring of Kendall Bryles just cannot be stated enough about what he's done with offenses. If you go to the Action Network and you check out some previous Florida State uh, preview that I put up, it shows what Kendall Bryles did at Florida Atlantic. Uh, It shows what he did at Houston, even all the way back to Baylor, what these teams were offensively before and what they were after he got fixed, whatever the problem is with the offensive line. Uh, I expect them to, you know, the running back stable, I expect him to at least elevate the number of quarterbacks that they have uh, within the program. Uh, Kendall Browles is an offensive, you know, quarterback whisperer. So I think we've seen the floor of this program. I think they'll be back this year and they'll be able to elevate themselves in front of some of these teams that are on their schedule, the Wake Forest, the NC States, the Louisvilles, the Boston Colleges of the world. That's all on their schedule. I think they're going to beat Boise State. We're starting to see that in the market, how the numbers picking up. So over seven and a half is a play.
0: Yep, fair enough. You've made a great case for the Knolls, and we'll have much more on them in a uh, pretty intriguing week one matchup against Boise State. Uh, Let's move on to the Big Ten. Uh, This was probably my favorite conference in regards to preseason futures. Uh, I even took a shot with Minnesota, but my favorite, and I have a whole piece out on a separate piece on my Big Ten futures. And I'll have a piece out on all of my favorite futures for every conference coming out tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. And Colin just has, I mean, a ridiculous amount of content out on the Action app or actionnetwork.com. So make sure you check that out. I mean, it's just Unbelievable content and so in depth. Uh, but with the Big Ten, I'll just highlight my favorite ones and I'll stick to the Wolverine State or the Great Lakes State. And, you know, I have Michigan futures to win the Big Ten plus 250 plus 225. That's fine. Also, Michigan to win the national title 14 to 1. I think this is the year they beat Ohio State, who I'm low on. You know, their schedule isn't easy, but their hardest teams do come to Ann Arbor. And I, I just think that, you know, when it's all said and done, the most important hire. Of the offseason will be Josh Gaddis. And it's going to give Michigan an explosive offense to complement that defense, which did lose some pieces, but they should be able to reload. Uh, I just, I really like this Michigan team. I think they finally get that Ohio State monkey off their back, get to the Big Ten title where they should win. And then I think they're getting to the Cowboy playoff. Uh, so to win the Big Ten and national title. And then Michigan State, I like over eight wins with Michigan State. That Look, they had a a fairly disappointing year last year. Their offense was just dreadful, but the offensive line should be better. I think the rushing attack should be improved. Brian, the worky back, healthy, is huge, and the defense is going to be excellent, maybe one of the best defenses in the country, and you just trust in Mark D'Antonio. I mean, he's lost, I believe, he's won, excuse me, fewer seven or fewer games four previous times in his career. Each of the following four seasons, the Spartans won at least nine games, uh, averaging 10.75 wins. So I'm high on a Sparty bounce back. And a lot of the reason for these Michigan and Michigan State futures in love is I'm lower on Ohio State. I'm lower on Penn State. I think it's going to be tough years for both of them. So that's who I'm going with in the Big Ten. How about you?
2: Yeah, I like both those positions a lot. The one that we said to wait on till the very last week of summer uh, was Nebraska. Uh, we want to take an under eight and a half on them, which is actually a plus money at almost every place that I look. I am. Flying out to Vegas tomorrow, and uh, the first thing I'm going to do the second I hop off the flight is I'm going to cycle through all the apps uh, and look at all the shops in town. I'm going to see if I can find one single nine. nine. I don't care if yeah. it's got – yeah, if I, if I find a nine, it's on that rental car bus over to National, and uh, I'll be uh, you know hitting the Strip or or somewhere uh, downtown or maybe even out to Summerlin to uh, get a number somewhere. But there's lots of things going on. It's just the depth in the back seven is still a real concern with me about Nebraska. I love Adrian Martinez. Uh, but you know the offensive line isn't completely; it doesn't have their depth. They've lost some players. You know they they don't. They are an explosive offense. They're turning into an efficient offense. They lost a lot of games last year that they should have won. But you're asking them to take to go from a four win season to nine. That's five. That's a lot. I mean a four a four win jump is pretty good. Now I understand that the you know Central Florida was 0 and 12, and two years later you know Scott Frost gave 12 and 0. That's the group of five. That doesn't happen very often. In the Power Five making a four game jump. And the power five is is really tough to do. It's different in the group of five. You know, as a better, as a gambler, as an investor, I actually wouldn't mind Nebraska coming in around seven wins. If it develops a better future for me next year, because I think next year is when we take the leap and they are serious Big Ten, uh, get consideration to win that and then possibly make the playoffs. So I'm kind of hoping that they get have a seven-win season, but definitely under eight and a half on corn. And then the big one is Ohio state under 10, under 10 and a half. Uh, i got problems with Justin Fields. I got problems with this defense. Uh, I've got problem with where the points are going to come from on offense. They're just depleted everywhere. I understand they're, they're going through a defensive coordinator change. Ryan Day is the new head coach, you know, it took Justin Fields. He was just named the starting quarterback yesterday. What is today? August 22nd. He was just named the starting quarterback yesterday. So I'm not impressed. Uh, I'll have my eyes open, especially against Florida Atlantic early on, but yeah, I'm taking under, 10 and a half under 10, uh, nine win season here for the Buckeyes.
0: All right, let's move on to the Big 12, which is actually the first preview we recorded uh, with Brett McMurphy. And look, everyone is assuming Oklahoma is going to walk to another Big 12 title, their fifth straight. And, they, you know, they've had back-to-back Heisman winners. They have Jalen Hurts coming in, which I think is actually a step back in the talent department. I mean, Hurts is solid, but... The group that didn't get enough credit for Oklahoma's success over the last two years was their offensive line. And they lost four offensive linemen who started a total of 144 games. All of them went in the NFL draft. That's big. And I think that that loss is being undervalued in the market. I think that opens up you know, a potential future for someone else to win the Big 12, which is where I went. And look, I think the three most realistic choices in my eyes are you know, Oklahoma State, Texas and Iowa State maybe you can make a case for Baylor and TCU but I I just don't see either one of those teams challenging Oklahoma Oklahoma State there's some things to like about them I don't think that they're at that level yet Texas I just don't see any value in their number I decided to go with Iowa State and look Iowa State hosts both Texas and Oklahoma State yes they lost David Montgomery in the backfield yes they lost Akeem Butler at wide receiver both to the NFL but this team is so solid everywhere else. I love their head coach, Matt Campbell. Brock Purdy's back at quarterback in front of five returning offensive linemen. Outstanding in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Probably the best defense in the Big 12. You know, they have two outstanding linebackers, too, Marcel Spears and Mike Rose. If they can just, these inexperienced skill position players can come together. I mean, this potential is limitless and they can get to Arlington. So, you know, 11 to 1, 10 to 1, 12 to 1, you can find out there on Iowa State. I, I like. To take a shot with them, I think they can take that next step. So I, I trust in Campbell here, and I'm taking a shot on the clones. How about you in the Big 12?
2: Yeah, I agree that Iowa State is a contender to get into the Big uh, Big 12 championship game with Oklahoma. The problem is, I think that other team that's going to get up there with them is not Texas. I think it's Baylor, and Baylor is the one that hosts that game. And it's hard for us to pick between Matt Rule and and, and, and Campbell. So I, I love them both, but. Uh, Two no, great against it. the spread coaches, by the way, two of the best. Yeah, and so, you know, because uh, Tom Herman would be a favorite against both of them, I don't like Texas to make the Big 12 Championship game this Fair. year. I'm going to take Oklahoma to make the playoff at plus two, plus two 250 is what I got it at. It's still at plus 225, and I've heard bookmakers on other media formats say, we've taken sharp money on Oklahoma under. And I would think that that's the reason that maybe I'm not, you know, I'm about some of the only money that's on this Oklahoma to make the playoff is because people don't believe that Jalen Hurts, they're comparing him to Baker Mayfield. Uh, they're comparing him to Kyler Murray. They're looking at the offensive line. They're looking at the defense from last year. But I would come back and say, listen, Lincoln Riley's going to change it up a little bit just to, you know, get Jalen Hurts to tailor the offense more to what Jalen Hurts is going to do and the fact that the defense got Alex Grinch into as the defensive coordinator Uh, he was one of the best havoc defensive coordinators uh, when he was up at Washington State Uh, he left that program way better than when he first got there Uh, he didn't really play a role in Ohio State last year but he's really the biggest it's not even Jalen Hurts Alex Grinch is the biggest signing by this Sooners team Uh, I think they have a real chance to make the playoff I think they have a real chance to make an upset there Uh, they're going to get their offensive style going and then Stuck mentions you know the fact that the offensive line is all brand new, that is true. But if you look at the beginning of their schedule, it's, it's, I mean, if I was an offensive lineman, I didn't have any experience. I would start off with Houston, which has a complete uh, depleted defensive line. I I don't know where, I don't even think they have anybody playing defensive line, but maybe just a bunch of walk-ons. The talent there has dropped off from at Oliver. A couple other players have cycled out of the program. Uh, Look what army did to Houston last year. That's what Oklahoma is going to be faced with on their defensive line. After that, Oklahoma gets South Dakota. After that, they're going to go up against UCLA. And you say, well, UCLA is on the rise, but their sack rate last year was 126. So as an offensive line, I'm not worried, that worried about Oklahoma in that standpoint. They'll be fine by the time they get to Texas Tech at the end of September. And then, you know, I just need to lose one game, and then I need to get to the Big 12 championship game, and and a one-loss Oklahoma team that wins the Big 12 is going to make the playoff.
0: Fair enough. Now we're joined with a friend of mine from out in Vegas, John Murray, the Westgate Superbook executive director. You know, just talking to you, John, I'm starting to get reminisce about all the Red Bull vodkas I had last time I was there for March Madness. I can't wait to get back on. I'll be there for the national title. What's going on, brother?
1: You know, I'm actually drinking one of those yellow Red Bulls right now. No vodka. I'm at work, but I, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually drinking one of those as we speak. I needed a little pick-me-up Uh it's a long week here. We're getting ready for Super Contest weekend at the Westgate, and we just got a million things going on. So a little Red Bull could pick me up as we get ready for this podcast.
2: If they allowed Little League World Series betting, don't you think the book would be flooded, and then it wouldn't be so boring around this week, right?
1: <laughs> I would be okay with that. I can remember uh, wagering on the Little League World Series with buddies of mine back in our younger years. Uh, we would see the two lineups, and we'd pick uh, each pick one of the teams, and then the loser would have to buy beers or dinner or something that night. It was actually kind of funny because you're sitting there and you're screaming at some 11-year-old for taking a third strike.
0: (laughs) If you haven't gone to the Westgate for a college football Saturday or March Madness, you have to get there. It's the best spot to watch a game, uh, the best book in Vegas, in my opinion. But let's get right into it to talk some college football. I'll start off with a Mm -hmm. question that a lot of people probably ask you. Uh, What is the the biggest season-long bet that you've taken all summer? And if you don't want to give the amount, that's fine, but who was it on?
1: Yeah, you know, I looked at that this morning because it was funny. I couldn't think of a really massive bet this year, and the biggest one I found was actually a guy bet over six and a half wins on Arizona State, their win total. He bet it. He he bet fifteen thousand on it at minus one thirty. And yeah, we really we haven't had that like that highlight like you know fifty thousand dollar bet yet this season. I think it's probably coming, and we certainly had our share of. $10,000, $12,000 Ten thousand, twelve thousand dollar bets, but we so far that fifteen thousand we took on the on ASU over is the biggest one.
0: In the, in regards to the futures market, what national champion would hurt your book the most, and what would be the best possible outcome for you?
1: Well, whenever. Whenever I get asked that question, I always ask, do you want me to talk about the teams I actually think could seriously win? Or do you want like, like, because our biggest loss in the Super Bowl future pool is the Raiders, but I I don't really want to talk about that because there's no chance of the Raiders winning. We would get killed if Arizona State or Utah State won the national championship in college football, but I'm not really losing any sleep over that.
0: That's a fair point. From from the teams that realistically, I should say, could win it, does one hurt you more than another?
1: Yeah, Notre Dame, and that's a that's a common answer. I mean that that happens all the time. We, we've taken a lot of money on Notre Dame. They've got a tough schedule, but I I'm not going to pretend as if they have no chance of winning the national championship. Oklahoma is a team we've taken a lot of bets on, guys. We've seen Oklahoma go down from 18 to one. We've got them at 14 to one right now. A lot of people backing the Sooners. I don't really see it with them this year. We took a lot of money on them to make the playoff too, but I don't think much of Jalen Hurts. I think it's kind of a clumsy fit in. Lincoln Riley's offense. And I just think it's hard to come out of the Big 12 period. You, you know, The Big 12 really does its teams a disservice by playing nine conference games. And then their conference championship game, the number one team just plays the number two team instead of playing a, a lesser team from a weaker division, which is what you get in most conferences, especially the Big 10s like that. So I, I think it's very hard to get out of the Big 12 and into the college football playoff, although I realize Oklahoma did it last season. And I just think the Big 12 week to week is a grind. You know, there's, okay, Kansas is an easy game. I shouldn't say there's no easy games. But it, the other conferences with more teams, there, there's, a, there's always easier games in there, whereas the Big 12, and there's nine conference games instead of eight. I think it's a very, very difficult conference to navigate.
2: As a person that's got a couple of dimes at your shop on Oklahoma plus 250 to make the playoffs, <laughs> if they have issues with Houston's front seven, South Dakota's front seven, and UCLA's front seven to start the season, it's going to be a very bad year for the Sooners. They should be able to run circles around those three teams. So you're right. We will know really early because... They should boat race those teams.
1: Oklahoma and Ohio State were the two really popular teams to make the playoff here at the Westgate. Of the teams, again, of the teams that actually can make the playoff, we always have customers taking flyers on these wild long shots. I don't really usually talk about that in the media because it's pointless. But of the teams that actually could make it, Oklahoma and Ohio State, we've written a lot of money on.
2: Well, I'm going to go ahead and switch gears. I think you're safe on the Ohio State, definitely. Hey. But uh, <laughs> but I'm going to switch gears over to the Heisman because I've been shopping all summer long looking for something better than 3-1, to one. Uh, I've had my eyes on you guys for quite a while. It dipped down to plus two seventy five for both Tua and Trevor. Those are kind of the two that I've had in my sights to see if one book favors the other. It seems like lately, uh, they're you know the the lines are starting to actually move around now to where Trevor is falling a little bit and Tua may be falling you know back of the pack. But you guys specifically went to plus two seventy five on both quarterbacks, and then you came back to three to one. Have you seen significant money on either of those quarterbacks?
1: A lot of tickets. Not not significant money. I mean, we've taken a lot of tickets on Trevor Lawrence, especially a good amount of tickets on Tua Tonga Viola. But right now, we're actually in a really good spot on both of those guys, which is right where we want to be, because I I do think the Heisman will probably come from one of those two. I'm not really going out on a limb there, but we've been we've been raising their, their prices a little bit because we really are in a really good spot on both of them, especially Tua. We're in a great position on Tua right now. So mostly the people that we're seeing money on, the players we're seeing money on in this pool are the long shot guys, guys where customers can bet a small amount of money and win big. And and I'm fine with that because I I do think that the Heisman will probably come from one of those two quarterbacks. And I certainly expect it to come from a quarterback. I I almost don't see how a non-quarterback could even win the Heisman Trophy anymore with the way as high powered as these offenses are now in college football.
2: Let's switch over to the Pac-12 because the rage, I mean, I I was around March or April, I started looking around for Utah futures. I didn't care if it was Pac-12. I didn't care if it was a win total, uh, you know, even maybe to make the playoff. I, that one a little bit tougher considering that if they had one loss, they need a lot of help from other conferences to make it. But I just wanted some sort of future back in the spring. And finally, it came out uh, as high as 10 to 1. And I wrote uh, plenty of content on Action Network about how plus three fifty is probably the stopping point because of the visits to Washington, the visits to USC. You guys are all the way down to plus two seventy five. Has it has it just been a thing where you guys opened it up the uh, the Pac twelve futures and it was just all Utah all the way, or has it been a slow burn, or how, how's that worked out?
1: Well, Utah by far the most tickets of any team in our Pac twelve pool here, and we even raised Oregon and Washington each from three to one up to plus three twenty five because we're writing nothing but Utah money. We win big on both the Ducks and the Huskies right now. We do take a loss on, on Utah. They're by far the most popular team there, and there's a lot of people betting them to win the national championship as well. I like Utah, and I think the schedule sets up well for them. They should get to the Pac-12 championship game, but and I don't really see them as a realistic team to make it to the college football playoff. I, I don't really see anybody coming out of the Pac-12, frankly. Uh, and, and they certainly any team to make the playoff would have to run the table in the Pac-12. I think one loss in the Pac-12 would be, would be the end of it
2: yeah BYU could do them a lot of uh, give them a lot of problems here in a couple of weeks so that'll be an interesting one. I'm going to flip over to Nebraska. Stuckey and I were in the book the night of the national championship between Clemson and Alabama and mm-hmm. that is when your that is when your odds went up uh, immediately for next year's national champion. I stood up out of my chair immediately went to the window and had got all the cash out of my pocket and said give me a Georgia 12 to one. now that one's moved you know far off of 12 to one from when it first opened yeah. but the one that I was surprised about was Nebraska at 25 to one. That's currently sitting at 50 to one. So I'm real interested I, I, about the, you know, the thought process about behind Nebraska, 25 to one, you knew you were probably going to get action, people that would just come up and buy it no matter what, but it's all the way down to 50 to one. So did you guys take any money on this number whatsoever? Or are you just going to keep going 50 to one until you can you know get a proper amount of money on that future? Probably a pretty safe bet to, that you're not going to have to pay back out.
1: Yeah, with Nebraska as a team, we were trying to stay ahead of the curve because we really like Nebraska this season. We knew we were going to like them back in January and we and exactly what you just said, we thought people would be looking to bet them and we we were trying to we don't we didn't want to be stuck with a liability on the Cornuskers because we do like them. I think they're going to win that division. Do I think they can win the national championship? No. I don't think they can win the national championship. That's why we've seen the number get drift back up to 50 to 1. We're in very good shape on Nebraska right now and, and that's kind of how we wanted it. Georgia twelve to one was one that we we probably got a little carried away there, and, and you're right we we've, we've knocked that down to six to one. We've got a little bit of a liability on Georgia, nothing crazy, but we we probably we opened the Bulldogs a little bit too high. And the more I read into the the season here, I don't really think there's much separating Georgia from you know the big two of Alabama and Clemson. I don't think Georgia's that far off those two teams.
2: Yeah, and the sad part is is the first eight weeks of the season is going to be cake for for Alabama, and the narrative is going to start up to. I mean, they're just they're going to take all kinds of money every week and, and first half yeah. bets and every, everything that we saw last year. I look forward to
1: the narrative. I look forward to the first time <laughs> Alabama Alabama wins the game 50 to nothing and we have to listen to first take debate if they're the best team in the history of organized sports. And I, I always enjoy those narratives.
0: With the, the all the hoopla around Alabama first halves, have you had to like break how you line them because everyone just started to say, I'm betting Alabama first half no matter what. I at one point yeah. thought we were going to see Alabama minus 35, first half, Alabama minus 35 game. Something as crazy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. as
1: that. Well, it's kind of like the the NBA playoffs. I mean, that got a lot of attention the last couple of springs where if a team was down o two, 2 everybody was betting on them in the first half, and sometimes yeah. the first half line was actually higher than the game line. Yeah. And we did see the Alabama first half spreads get a little out of whack because we knew they were going to rest of Viola in the second half, rest a lot of their starters. And, yeah, the first half numbers were definitely a little bit inflated, and I think they – I want to say they covered like eight in a row or something yep. like that. It, it was a, The only thing is we really didn't get that many big bets on it. We even had some uh, some guys trying to be contrarians taking the other side in a few of those. I remember one time Alabama cover, covered a first half. I don't remember who they were playing, honestly, but it was a good win for us because one of our house players had gone the other way. So you, you don't want to go too out of line because you're always going to have these wise guys on the phone accounts nailing you and taking the other side if you get too far off market, but... Yeah, the Alabama first halves last season were very different than normal, and it was mostly because we knew they were going to bench their starters in the second half.
2: If only they could schedule the Citadel every week. So (laughs) this is an honest, serious question. Has there been any East Carolina 200-to-1 money or any Texas State 50-to-1 money? I just have this theory that group of five conferences, like I said about Scott Frost, he was able to take an 0-12 UCF team to a 12-0 and team in two years. It can happen that fast, and I like what's happening in both those programs. Have you seen any action on those guys?
1: Like, I try to do everything off the top of my head, but I did have to go to the computer for that. The answer is yes. We did take a couple bets on ECU, three bets at 200 to 1, and one guy bet him at 100 to 1. We have not at 200 to 1 right now. I know I, I looked through their, their schedule. It looks like they got a pretty favorable schedule. So uh, maybe that's why we got a couple bets there. And then Texas State, we took four bets at 100 to 1. One guy's got 100 bucks on him at 100 to 1, and we've, we've <laughs>
2: lowered them down
1: to 50 to 1.
2: Degenerate junkies, that's what we are.
1: We love those, those smaller, smaller conferences. We usually get guys taking the long shots in those, and we usually do pretty well when the favorite does win. I mean, I'm speaking in generalities, but that's usually what happens. Guys take these flyers, and, and we do okay if the favorite comes through.
2: We had a UAB twenty to one ticket in your shop and I I came to the window with it uh after after they had won Conference USA last year and your and the ticket writer said, You're obviously an alumni of, of University of Alabama Birmingham. I said no, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Not whatsoever.
1: I gotta know who that ticket writer was. I don't want the ticket writers commenting on wagers. I'll be <laughs> reprimanding somebody if uh, you give me that give me that young man's name.
0: Uh speaking of wagers, one of the most, you know, interesting, I think wagers, and it's gotten a lot of pub, is the Alabama Clemson. Is that where we're at in college football? Alabama, Clemson, national champion versus the field. And Alabama, Clemson, I think it is minus one fifty versus the field. I fancy the field at this price. Uh, what are you seeing action-wise on that? And which way do you lean?
1: Well, you know that was that was Ed Salmon's idea. Ed, Ed sort of, uh, not sort of. Ed runs the the college football market for us here at the Superbook, and I don't think either one of us expected as much uh, handle on it as we've gotten. It's been a very, very popular betting option. We actually opened it at minus one ten both ways. We had a sharp guy lay that right away went to minus one thirty another guy another sharp guy bet that we got as high as minus one ninety and we were wow. taking five figure bets at minus one eighty on this prop. We did finally see some buyback. Guys were taking plus one sixty. We got down to plus 150. Oh, this is on the field, excuse me. Guys were taking the field at plus 60, plus 50. One guy bet five dimes at plus 150 on the field. So we came back down, we're at minus 150. I guess I'd have to lean to the Bama-Clemson side. I don't think there's much value at that price, but it's just hard to imagine one of those two teams not being favored in the national championship game, assuming that they're not playing each other in the championship game. I do think one of them will be favored in that game. Although I do like Georgia a lot. I think Georgia is not as far behind those two as maybe everybody thinks they are.
2: And minus 150 would probably be the highest I would put a money line against Georgia on a neutral field, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe minus 130, maybe minus 120, but minus 150 would be a little high against Georgia. But, but I mean, that's every, just every
0: Georgia. Team. There could be other teams yeah. that get that, the Absolutely.
2: rationale yeah, uh, I like it.
1: Georgia a lot. But, you know, it's possible that Georgia will play Alabama in the SEC championship game. It's possible that both of them will make the college football playoff, which, by the way, would be – very bad for those people to bet Oklahoma and Ohio State to make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, we, we do think there's a very good chance that two schools will come out of the SEC into the college football playoff, and the, those two schools specifically being Alabama and Georgia. So yeah, that, that that prop, though, has gotten a lot of action. It's been very good for us, and we're very happy with that.
0: I think we covered the futures of win totals market pretty well. Before we let you go, uh, the two games this weekend, we won't, Talk about any of the uh, FCS games, but the, the two main games, Florida, Miami, Hawaii, Arizona. Are you seeing any lopsided action on either game? And how much action for a week zero uh, are you getting compared to what you were expecting?
1: Pretty lopsided on Florida. Uh, definitely most of our tickets are on the Gators in that game. We have a decent need on Miami, although I do think both of these games, the majority of the money is going to come in here on Friday and on Saturday. But as it, as it stands right now, we do need the dog Miami. In the first game, the second game, really not much to report. There's a few bets in there on Hawaii. We actually need to favorite Arizona, but for a small figure, my guess is that will flip between now and Saturday. A lot of people will parlay Florida and Arizona money lines together. So chances are that by the time these games kick off, we'll need a dog in both.
0: Fair enough. We appreciate your insight, John. We look forward to seeing you. Well, Colin, we'll see you this weekend. I'll see you during (laughs) Uh, Bowl season, national championship in March, madness. And again, if you haven't checked out the Westgate, you have to get there. If you visit Vegas, you can find John on Twitter at VegasMurray. Thanks for joining us, brother.
1: Bowl season, the best time of the year to come out here, guys. Everybody should know that. The weather here is great. There's games on during the morning, the afternoon. Bowl season in Vegas is the absolute best.
0: All right. Have a good one, brother.
1: All right, guys. Thanks.
0: Thanks, John. All right. Moving on, let's cover the Conference USA. And look, I won't spend too much time on this one because I think you might go with them too. My love in the Conference USA is all for Florida International. I don't prefer the win total, just like Tulane. I don't know who's going to win that game. It's a tough game, to cap. Uh, but I really like this team. They return eight starters on both sides of the ball. You know, They have a quarterback that I trust in Morgan on offense, and the quarterback on defense in Sage Lewis is probably the best defender uh, in the Conference USA. Uh, so I like FIU to win the conference. Uh, where are you going? you going with FIU with me?
2: Yeah, I'm with, I'm on FIU with you to win the whole conference. Uh, let's shop around. Uh, like I said, uh, on our previous podcast, Jersey's around plus 450 on them to win the conference. Vegas is around eight to one on them to win the conference. So do your homework there. Uh, I think they're going to beat Louisiana tech in the championship game. So if you want to look for Louisiana tech to win the West, I've seen it around plus 350. Uh The West is going to run through Shreveport uh, and back on FIU. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the nation, in the nation when it comes to explosive plays on offense and defending explosive plays on defense, and they get everybody back a high high percentage in returning production. So, uh, last one I'll throw in there is Middle Tennessee under five and a half. I'm just not sure what uh, you know Rick Stockstill is going to do without his son as quarterback there. So, it, and they lose a lot, depleted on both sides of the ball. Take Middle Tennessee under five and a half.
0: Yep, I agree with you on Middle Tennessee State. Uh, let's move on to some action, and I think we agree here, Ohio you can find up to plus around plus 350 out there uh look they lost a lot a lot especially you know their skill position players especially you know particularly Ulette. AJ Ouellette their running back Poppy White their best receiver but you know they have Nathan work back again under center at quarterback and the division is just gettable I mean it is just you know Ohio lost a lot but so did Miami of Ohio, and so did Buffalo. They're both in reset years, and then Akron, Bowling Green, and Kent State—they just don't have the talent to compete. So I think they win the division with ease. You know, they lost a couple games they probably should have won last year. I think this is a revenge tour year for Ohio. Uh, so I like them to win the MAC. And then there's a ton of bad teams. This is a really down year for the MAC. You know, you, you can go under. I think with a lot of these, you know, teams in the basement, I, my favorite is probably Akron under three and a half wins. This team stinks. Uh, you know, there's, they lost a ton. They have a lot of coaching changes, new schemes. I don't agree with what they're doing with Cato Nelson, uh, with the new offense. So, uh, you know, and it was between them and Bowling Green, Bowling Green hosts Akron. That was one of the deciding factors. Plus with Akron, I think they're worse and you get a extra half win three and a half instead of three. So Akron under three and a half at Ohio to win the conference. How about you in the Maction? Yeah,
2: I agree with you on Ohio. Keep it there. But with Bowling Green, Bowling Green is my under team. They are, Trash. They got so many negative uh, marks against them in the offseason As far as second order win total, they were a little bit lucky last year. Returning production was a huge, uh, you know, bang against them. They don't have many, much from last year's roster. And then I think they took one of the biggest dips in all of my uh, uh, coaching rankings uh, in the hiring of Scott Loeffler and then their their defensive coordinator Brian Van Gorder. So uh, it, it it's just it's just terrible. They only have three winnable games on the schedule. That's starting off with Morgan State. Uh, they're hosting Akron and um, and hosting Central Michigan. That's it. They have to sweep those three games. Those are coin flip games. They have to sweep that just to get a push here. Uh, I don't think that they're going to win all
0: three of those games. Uh, so I'm fading bowling green here. Cannot disagree. Moving on to the Mountain West, where I think we will disagree. Uh, look, I think Boise has one of the easiest paths to a conference championship game and you know in the mountain division i just don't think anyone can really challenge them but i don't see really much value in their number so i look at the west which is just really wide open fresno is the favorite but i am just i just don't like this team at all i just don't think that they are going to win the west and i don't think hawaii has the defense to do it so i'm going with san diego state juan washington had a kind of disappointing year but he's healthy now he was dealing with some nagging injuries i think the offense will be better i still think they're going to run it a ton even though they're going to Nope, spread it out more. Apparently the three, three, five defense should be rock solid. Once again, I know you disagree. The schedule's really favorable though. Uh, so I, I, you know, if they just win the games, they should be favored in by at least a touchdown. They get to eight and they push the total, which is what I like. So I like San Diego state to win the West and San Diego state, over eight wins. Aztec fan here. Uh, you, you're going with Hawaii, though, in the West, correct? I am. I'm not going to make it a best bet. I, I, and when I say that, I wouldn't say don't put a whole bunch
2: of money on it. I do like Hawaii. It's a long shot. Uh, you can take them to win the West. Uh, I like a lot of their returning production. I like the fact that five of their last seven games are on the island. Uh, real favorable travel schedule for them this year. Um, you know, the San Diego State switching schemes after a seven win season and, and Fresno State's losing every player on the roster uh, that kind of plays into this too. or Cole McDonald's finally healthy. We didn't know just how uh, bad that injury was in the middle of the season. They started off six and one pretty hot and we don't really know if that was injury related when they tailed off at the end of the season or if it was that everybody kind of figured out the run and shoot scheme. So we'll probably figure out here pretty quick against Arizona. Um, you know, so it's not a best bet play, but I do like Hawaii in the West. If I'm going to give you a best bet play. It's going to be New Mexico on the under. Uh, currently, see them at under five. Uh, they got new coordinators for a spread attack that's switching from a triple option i think in year two the coaching staff will play three of their first four fbs games on the road uh schedule's brutal and i mean their defense is outside the top 100. uh their explosiveness has tailed off whatever bob davy is doing to the offense it's getting worse especially from an explosiveness uh standpoint their iso ppp rating the last two years has moved from second to 39th to 111th last year uh, their offense is regressing big time. Uh, the under is juiced, but I would play it through four and a half and four, but under is the play.
0: All right. So let's move on to the pack. 12 I don't think we have to spend a ton of time here. Uh, look, I'm rolling with Utah. We talked about, I still think there's value at, above three to one because I just don't see how this team is not getting to the pac 12 championship. I just don't see anyone challenging them in the South. I know USC hosts them, but neither of us are high on USC or Clay Helton. So, you know, while ten to one, eight to one would have been a lot nicer. At three to one, they're right in the neighborhood of Oregon and Washington now. So there's not a ton of value, but I think they get there and there's still some. I, I still would play at anything over three to one, but I just prefer to just lay it minus two hundred-ish. You shop around to win the division. Uh I just don't see it not happening. This team almost won. You know, this team won the division last year and they lost Huntley, their starting quarterback and their starting running back, Zach Moss on November third. And they still you know, got to the Pac-12 championship. So uh, I'm rolling with Utah to win the South. You? Yeah, I'm rolling with Utah too, but I
2: don't consider it a best bet because I would say plus 350 is the last spot you want to take it. And some shops have dipped below that. Uh, the others that I like in this conference, I like Oregon under 8.5. Uh, there's just too much going on with the schedule. I think they're going to have a real problem with uh, Auburn here coming up. Uh, they are already got wide receivers that are getting hurt. Uh, And I think that they're going to be limited in that game against an Auburn front seven that's just going to dominate them. The defense is undergoing a scheme change uh, and the Ducks just have issues winning games on the road. So, uh, you know, Justin Herbert may be looking at the NFL in November instead of thinking about a Pac-12 championship. Same thing for Washington. I'm going under on them. It was a nice 10. I think it's at nine and a half at nine. Uh, as much money as as we like to put on Utah, when the number was above plus 350, I would take some of that money and put it on Washington on the under, you know, the returning production is just really hard. To overcome there's going to be a new quarterback still not sure if jacob easton has won that thing yet uh the skill positions there's a new entire defense new starters everywhere i know that they recruit well but at the same time game experience uh means something and that's why you know i have my eye real close on eastern washington and this huge inflated
0: spread coming up uh in their first game but i like washington on the under all right so let's get to the sec i might regret this but i'm sailing Alabama. You know, by selling Alabama, I mean they're going to win 11 games and lose in the SEC championship. That's my prediction for them. Uh, so I'm going under 11 and a half wins, pay for it. Uh, you know, you can, some places you can get 10 and a half under plus money or 11, find the 11 and a half, lay it. You know, they have a really easy schedule to open up the year, but they have three games. And this is not including a game against LSU because that's at home, but LSU is a really talented team. But they have three games that they, it wouldn't shock me if they lost on the road you know they go to Auburn, they go to Mississippi State and to Texas A&M. I think they drop at least one of those games. Probably still get the SEC title and I think Georgia gets their revenge there. Uh so I have Georgia, you know we have that national title Georgia future really no value left now. Uh you know because it's it's just so tough. They they might not make the college football playoff if they lose to Alabama. So Georgia I'm just going with Georgia to win the SEC. You know because in order for them to win the national title, they might have to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. They might then have to play a Clemson and then Alabama again, like six to one, five values pretty much gone. So Georgia to win the SEC plus 250 plus 300 chop around Alabama under 11 and a half wins. Uh, How about you? Yeah, I'm going to start off at the
2: bottom of the conference. I'm going to say Arkansas under five. It was five and a half. It's taken a lot of money in because it's now down to under five and the juice is on the under. I still say take the under. There's no way. There's another team, like I said, with Nebraska. It's hard to jump four games in a season. It's Arkansas team that technically had two wins. They really only beat one FBS team. Uh, for them to get to six, I believe they have to have two conference wins. That would be coach of the year type material. Uh, shop around, take an Arkansas under. Uh, flip side, take Missouri on the over. Uh, their schedule is... Hilarious and a non-conference slate. Uh, the the schedule is very conducive to them at least getting to eight wins. Uh, Kelly Bryant, uh, you know, erratic as he is, this is a, a college football playoff, uh, national title-winning quarterback, and he's got an abundance of weapons at running back and wide receiver. Um, you know, they played Arkansas in their cross division game in the SEC. Uh, pretty pretty good stuff, and that could be like a bowl game to them because they're kind of they're bold. they're banned from a bowl. So I expect a lot out of Missouri this season. Alabama to miss the playoff is plus 200 uh, at some shops. I've seen it down, dipped around, plus 180. Uh, That's something I'm going to be on. If I want to buy a future to fade Alabama, if I can find a no prop out there on them winning the national title, I think the Alabama love and the narrative around Alabama is going to be peak around October 11th. I mean, we're talking Tua and his stats. uh, You know, Whatever injuries they may have on defense will kind of be glossed over, and that's when I'm going to fire on more Alabama to not make the playoff, Alabama to – not win the national title because the rest of the schedule is at Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State, at Auburn, and then potentially Georgia in the SEC championship game. So set a reminder in your calendar. October 11th is when you want to fade Alabama.
0: Yeah, and then if I have Texas A&M circled for that game as well, I think it's a great spot to fade Alabama because their offense is going to be explosive. They probably will have the best passing offense uh, in college football, but they lost a ton of NFL talent on defense. The, the, Coordinator carousel continued. That's not going to show up in the early part of the schedule. But against Texas AM, I think that line's going to be inflated, and you make a good point about selling them then. Um, all right, let's finish up with the fun belt.
2: Don't let the ladies come between you and the belt.
0: And uh, I think we disagree here, but my favorite bet Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns to win the conference. Uh thirteen to 1, 12 to one there's a thirteen to one out there, I think at Vandal. you know anything north of ten to one, I think is worth a shot look i this team just doesn't get any respect. It's funny if you look at their stats, their advanced stats last year, their second order wins, their turnover luck they they just were who they were right they're, they almost had zero luck either way. their wins were what they were supposed to win, and they were really good against the spread and uh, once again, I think they're being disrespected in the market. They did lose their starting quarterback. In Andre Nunez, but Levi Lewis was more efficient. He's threw it through a pass in every game. I think they have more upside of the passing attack. I think there's no drop off with the quarterback. And then everybody else is back on offense five starting offensive linemen back, all seniors, and then a running back trio that might be the best in the group of five. The offense should just shred the belt. Their defense hasn't been great the last couple of years, but it'll be more experienced this year. I think it's going to get better. They do get Joe Dillon back, who led them in sacks, I believe, in 2017. The best recruiting class in the offseason in the belt. They have excellent special teams, probably the best in the belt. And then Billy Napier, who I think uh, is an excellent coach. He's at time under both Saban and Sweeney. So the schedule isn't easy, and they do go to Arkansas State, who's favored to win the division. But I, I've already told you, I think Arkansas State takes a step back after you know losing Justice Hansen, now with Logan Bonner under center, so I think a price of you know plus thirteen hundred on the Raging Canes is too juicy to pass up. So I'm rolling with ULL to get back to the Fun Belt Championship for a second straight year. You? I like
2: ULL. I like Billy Napier, and I really love their offense, watching their offense. But if if you make fun of my ECU, I have to point out that uh, ULL was 123rd on third downs last year and 121st in finishing drives. They got to get better on defense. But no, you're right. They are explosive. Uh, they, I think they should be more evenly priced with Arkansas State, especially with what Arkansas State's going through. So I think there's value on all the teams not named Arkansas State in the West to win the Sun Belt. Uh, so Stuck brings up a good point. You know, in, LA, in, in ULL, probably, probably has the best offense uh, out of anybody in the, on that side of the division. I'm going to go with Texas State. You know, the reason why I have such a a higher number, like 100 to 1 on Texas State, is that there's a lot of new faces uh, everywhere as far as the coaching staff goes, coordinating staff goes. Uh, Gresh Jensen's coming in to play quarterback for Montana. Uh, There's not the stability and the continuity there that a ULL has. So it's obviously a much bigger price. But I do love what they have in-house. If if Jake Spavadol can get it all together, they could have a good turnaround there in year one. Uh, so don't go crazy on their on their futures. But I do like over four and a half. Uh, one of the best plays for me, South Alabama on the under two and a half. Uh, they lose everybody. They had a team last year that I thought Steve Campbell could walk into uh, from central Arkansas and do something with uh, just a dreadful season. And now they have no depth whatsoever. They, they have a ton of people trying to play quarterback, a ton of people trying to play wide receiver. They're expected to be touchdown underdogs at Georgia State. Uh, and, and their game against Jackson State is, is a game that they might not be able to win. So I don't know where three wins are on the schedule. South Alabama to the under two and a half.
0: By the way, your Texas State boys, they lost 41 to 31 to South Alabama last year. How the hell do you get <laughs> 41 points to South Alabama? And they lost 35-7 to Rutgers. It was not a great start to the year for them. But uh, I can see where you're coming from with the optimism on Texas State, although I will not be joining you. And it is just a lottery ticket. Uh, remember, 100 to 1, you're not saying they're going to win. All right, so let's move on to our first FC Yes or No segment. Or SEC, Big Sky, or Big Ten. It's time to play FC Yes or No. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. For those new to the pod, anytime there's an FCS, FBS matchup, or more key one, I think next week there's like 40. We will go through the biggest ones. I love capping the FCS level. The limits are smaller, uh, but I do think the lines are softer. Look, there's two pretty good games. The college football season starts at noon on Saturday, people, not seven. Colgate-Villanova, the total is 36 and a half. I don't think it gets there. I actually like the under. The the number is really low. Uh, Villanova might have one of the best defenses at the FCS level this year. Colgate's favored, but they lost a ton. Uh, from last year. Their defense still should be really solid. I think this is a war. Villanova, remember, beat Temple, uh, but they've dealt with, they had such bad injury luck the last two years. They play in a much better conference. I think Villanova is going to surprise a lot of uh, teams this year. And I actually think they beat Colgate. I know that I've loved Colgate in the past, but I, uh, I actually, as of right now, I'm leaning to Nova and the under. The other game in the FCS level is pretty good as well. Sanford and Youngstown State which is, I believe, in Birmingham, which is, it's not at Sanford, which is in Homewood, Alabama, I believe. Uh, Youngstown's two-and-a-half-point favorite here, over under 51 and a half. As of now, and I'm going to have a write-up for both of these games, I'm leaning towards Youngstown here. I think the Youngstown's defense is going to be pretty solid, and Sanford lost a ton, uh, in particular, their quarterback, who was just unbelievable, Devlin Hodges, who we've talked about in the pod before. Uh, So I think Sanford's going to take a step back. I think Youngstown State should win this game. Uh, But these are four programs that have had success at the FCS level. Keep your eye out for my piece on both of those games, uh, which will come out maybe Friday night, Saturday morning. Never hurts to take Bo Pelini in an opening game. You know he's going to coach them up hard. (laughs) Fair. Uh, So let's move on to the, the games that everyone is here for, and that's the Week zero opening games, the FBS, and we start with Miami and Florida. This line is sitting around seven, seven and a half. It keeps floating back and forth. The over-under has dropped to 47. Something tells me Miami's going to cover this game, but there's a lot of questions at quarterback, their offensive line. Offensive line on both sides, really. That's why I like the under. And, you know, I still like it a little at 47. I obviously liked it more. Uh, 48, 50, 50 and a half. But I think both teams and look, both of these coaches are really familiar with each other and their defensive schemes. And normally I would say, okay, they're going to, they have it all off season to prepare how to attack each other. And maybe I would look at the over, but I just don't see how either team is going to consistently move the ball. And I think the defensive fronts of both teams are going to dominate this game. Miami's defensive front, their linebackers are absolutely outstanding their linebacking core. So I think that they're going to get pressure. They're not going to allow Florida to really run the ball, which is how, you know, Mullen sets up his whole spread passing attack. And I think that they're going to dominate that Florida offensive line, which is really the biggest question on the Gators. And then Miami also questions at quarterback, questions at offensive line, that Florida defense, that aggressive defense of uh, Todd Grantham. Uh, I think that they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage as well. So I think this is kind of a dogfight, maybe 21-17, 28-17, maybe with a late score. So that's that's where I'm thinking it ends up think it's a pretty good defensive game dominated by both defensive fronts. How about you? Yeah, sadly, there's probably going to be no play
2: for me coming out
0: of the action app. Uh, I mean, I already have logged uh, under 49 and a
2: half. I uh, was able to find a shop offering a first half line when it first came out. but I did approve of that at 24 and 24 and a half, but that's gone. We're at 23 and 23 and a half little bit of a difference. As the number falls, so Stuck and I, you know, we both like first half under. I've got the full game under, but it's at 49 and a half. As that number continues to fall, the less we like it, the less that you should spend money on it. As far as the side goes, I have uh, this game marked at eight and a half. So there's no value in it at seven and a half whatsoever. At six and a half, I would start thinking about Florida. I think the best bet for me is to play this live. There could be a defensive score, which I hope not because somebody that has an under. I think there could be a defensive score because both of these offensive lines have lost a ton and they're going up against front sevens that are vicious, especially at the edge position. So quarterbacks, Felipe Franks, Jaron Williams are going to be under a lot of pressure to start this game. These coaching staffs, they know each other really well. I think I haven't heard a lot of that out there, but I don't think people realize that, you know, Dan Mullen employed Manny Diaz twice. Uh, Dan Mullen first met him when he was uh, coaching at middle Tennessee state, uh, like the scheme that he was running, liked his energy, I eventually got to hire him at Mississippi state, uh, two different stints. Once in 2010, again in 2015 before Diaz left for Miami. Uh, Mullen came out in his press conference on Monday, had a 30-minute presser and said that he had plenty of respect for Manny Diaz, thought he was a great coach. There was never really a talk about why Manny Diaz had left after just one year at Mississippi State and went over to a Miami program, sort of left the SEC and went to work for Mark Rick. Uh, They did fall, Mississippi State fell from 26th in S&P plus defense to 42nd in the time that Manny Diaz was there. But it seems like it was a mutual parting uh, they had a success rate of 77th that year. So Diaz, Manny Diaz's defense didn't do so well in 2015 when he was there under Dan Mullen. They know each other extremely well from those days. Mullen made the comment about Danny Enos. He says, oh, yeah, I know Dan. Uh, played it when he was at Arkansas as an offensive coordinator. So I dug deep into those three games that they had faced each other. Mississippi State had won two of those games. And in those two games, they had limited them to under – limited the Razorbacks – uh, specifically, Dan Enos is an offensive coordinator that limited him to under 100 yards rushing in each victory. The 2017 version is when Todd Grantham was around for Mississippi State, and they just absolutely flat out shut out Arkansas. Of course, everybody was doing that in 2017, but Grantham's defense really, you know, kept them down. They only had 221 yards of offense of Enos's Razorback offense that day. So, you know, put one in the victory column for the coaches that are currently at Florida. They know these coaches at Miami. They know all of their tendencies. I would venture to say that they have an advantage. Uh, They've beaten them before and know exactly what they want to do. I don't think Manny Diaz has changed his scheme in the past years, whereas I think Mullen has changed what he's doing offensively. And, and, you know, Dan Enos is is not a guy that I'm I'm looking to place money on. Ball protection is the reason Jaron Williams is going to be the quarterback for Miami. Nicosi Perry uh, was just hanging the ball out all over last year. Fumble interception anytime coming. Obviously, Tate Martell proved that he could not protect the ball. And that's kind of it seems like it's a distraction every day about if he's going to be a backup, is he going to be a wide receiver? And the thing is, is he wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't come out in the press that he would be trying to play wide receiver unless coaches suggested that to him, unless coaches told him that it's OK to go try out at wide receiver. So I just I think there's a lot of things going on in Miami behind the scenes that, you know, I mean, he should just take his L, be third string quarterback or second string quarterback and, and you know, support the program. There's plenty of backup quarterbacks to get playing time. So coaching staffs know each other really well. I like the under when it was at 49 and a half, and I like the under when it's at 24, so I like it a little bit less now. The only way for me to play it is live on Florida. I am going to play Florida if I can get it live, you know, somewhere underneath the touchdown during the game.
0: There you have it. And look, we won't go too much more in depth to this game because we have, we'll have a huge betting guide for this game. So make sure you check it out in the Action Network. I'm leaning just at a feel on Miami. I think the number is about right. But something's telling me that Miami is going to cover but I really do like the under. And as we've said, it's starting to lose value the more it drops. So let's move on to the late night game between Hawaii and Arizona. Look, this number is at 11, 10 and a half ish. The over under was start open at 70s, now up to 74, 75. What a big surface uh, release the over, which is why you saw some steam there. I'm sure the you know, you're going to have a lot of public money on the over as well. This is a we have a big discrepancy in this number and your number is way higher than a lot of other numbers. You make this over two touchdowns. I'm just under 10. I'm looking at Hawaii. I mean I just don't know if I can trust their defense, but Arizona who's been dreadful away from home the last couple seasons, their pass defense was awful. They get no pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I'm not sh- you know, Khalil Tate could be you know running all over Hawaii, but I'm not sure how effective they're going to be in throwing the ball this year. So I would lean to why I think they're going to be able to move the ball, you know, but you actually lean Arizona and the under here, right?
2: Yeah. I lean Arizona and the under here and it's not a knock on Hawaii. They actually got a ton of offseason adjustment in a positive direction because of their returning production. Arizona also has a positive market returning production, but not near as great as what we had with Miami. Uh, you know, if you base this, the thing is we have the same head coaches, same coordinators, Uh, And essentially the same players as to where Miami and Florida game is hard to handicap because we have a lot of freshmen offensive tackles. Uh, We have a lot of freshmen on the offensive line. We have a freshman under center for Miami where that's kind of hard to gauge and hard to lay your money down in game one of the year. This one's different. We actually have a ton of the same players on both sides of the ball and everybody's healthy. Cole McDonald's healthy running the run and shoot. Khalil Tate's going to be healthy and he's going to be leaving the pocket. That's a big, that changes the dynamic of what Arizona is in general. So you know, like we said, a pick service released the game on the over at 70. It went all the way up to 74, 74 and a half at some shops out in Vegas. Uh, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of reasons to like that because of the electricity, that cool Tate brings to the game and Cole McDonald being healthy. Uh, but I think some people. You know, they're just not really looking at the advanced stats. Now, assuming that we get the offenses that we had last year, that means that you can take their adjusted pace into, into consideration. You can take their standard downs run rate, their passing downs run rate. So looking at those projections from last year, if they would have played each other at the end, it would have been a projection of about 60 and a half. That is well below what the total is. If I sub in Khalil Tate's numbers and his run rate and his passing rate from 2017, the number still only gets to 64 and a half. I can't I don't have it at 70. Now, granted, these, they can light it up, and the Hawaii defense is still terrible. They haven't done anything to get any better on that side of the ball. They do have more depth, but that doesn't mean they have more talent to rush Khalil Tate and him leaving the pocket I don't think is a good thing anyways, but, I mean, I still mathematically can't make this game at 70. So, you know, someone took over last season. He does have a fast adjusted pace. His adjusted pace last year was 16th in the nation. That's where, uh, you know, they're comfortable running that offense. So Arizona's standard downs run rate last year was 55th. So they're in the middle of the pack. But I think this year it's going to be a little bit different. J.J. Taylor is going to run the ball a little bit more. And Khalil Tate's fully healthy, which means he's going to run the ball. When you run the ball, the clock runs. When you pass the ball all the time, the clock stops. So if if Khalil Tate's allowed to leave the pocket, the clock's going to run a lot more, leaving less time to put up points on the board. So, you know, Hawaii splits, I think, is what will surprise everybody. Arizona runs lightning quick. We all know that. I think Hawaii, people would be shocked to figure out that they're 109th in the nation in adjusted pace. Uh, they do run the run and shoot, but that doesn't mean that they're lining up in no huddle, that they're getting up to the offensive line. 109th in pace means they're running a play in the run and shoot, and then they're burning all the time off of the play clock before they run their next down. They have a passing down efficiency rank of 85th, they had a third down success rate of 128. And that's not just something that happened last year. That's a Nick Rolovich characteristic. He's always had a slow pace the last three years. I think 98th is the highest pace he's ever had. He's usually in the 120s. His third down success rate has always been extremely poor. His passing downs efficiency has always been extremely poor. That could be play calling. That could be execution. It's just coaching and Rolovich in general has been slow. And it's not been effective in passing downs. I wanted to wait to see this total rise until we got resistance. I saw it get to 74 uh, this morning. I finally saw a little bit of resistance and some 73, 73 and a halfs coming back down. I was happy enough to put in a little bit of money. Got it on the action app on taking the under at 74. When I get to town, the one play that you might see why Florida and Miami are playing is if I see a shop around there blowing this thing to 76 or 76 and a half, I'm going to take another shot at the under. I think Hawaii is not efficient enough and they don't move the ball fast enough in their offense
0: to justify 11 touchdowns. There you have it. That's exactly why this is the best college football podcast out there. That's exactly why you come here for that analysis, and you make a great case for the under. Something I wasn't on my radar, uh, but I'll have to take a look at it. We'll have something on that game as well on the Action app. Let's finish up here and go three and out.
2: One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and
0: out. So we promised all the Notre Dame fans and BYU fans, we'd, and then Army fans, we'd get to, I don't know if there's any UMass or New Mexico State fans out there. Uh, then we get to the independents. <laughs> but you know we have to start with Liberty. Liberty,
1: Liberty, Liberty.
0: One of the podcast's favorite teams last year. They have Buckshot Calvert back at quarterback. <laughs> the Hugh Freeze era is starting. He takes over a head coach. <laughs> Hugh Freeze. So what are your vices? I have been known to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired. And this is just one of our favorite teams. Look, they have a really home-heavy schedule up front. You know, their win total, I believe, is 5.5, over minus 130 at Circa. You make it 6.1. Are we buying Liberty?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Preacher Jerry Falwell says, we're buying Liberty over 5.5, and and we're
0: going to do it. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of Liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with the vision burning in your soul. You know, the top
2: 25 in returning production, uh, and Hugh Freeze has a history of, in his first year, at programs of taking major leaps. Look at what he did at Arkansas State. Look at what he did at Ole Miss. Uh, You know, Buckshot Calvert's back. He's got all of his wide receivers back. The defensive back seven returns almost everything. They were 25th in passing downs defense last year. They just can't defend the run. They're they're atrocious against the run. The Cure Bowl is the goal. They have a deal with the Cure Bowl that says if they don't have enough teams, they could possibly make it in. Uh, Look on their schedule when they play the Sun Belt and when they play Conference USA. They were not allowed. Liberty was not allowed to join those conferences. When they play those teams from those conferences, if you look at last year, they brought their A game they were pissed off they had a chip on their shoulder
0: you know just because they're at a bigger school doesn't mean we're just gonna go out there and let teams walk all over us or run all over us we got a big chip on our shoulder uh hugh freeze uh we might see him
2: in a rascal he might be in a cart i I think i read he's gonna be in a cart or a rascal or maybe something because he had a herniated disc he went to get it checked out he had a staph infection uh could have been life-threatening But uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., son of uh, the Southern Baptist televangelist Jerry Falwell, uh, called up the former uh, former presidential candidate, Ben Carson. Everybody got together and got Freeze into UVA Medical. So it looks like he's going to be able to be around by the first game, but he may be in a cart. And Freeze's comment was, it's the way God works because there's no doubt the bacteria would have killed me if President Falwell wasn't there quickly to, to get me to the hospital. It was only through prayer and divine intervention that this university has become what it is today. We want you to remember that always. So I believe in God. I believe in the flames. I believe they're going to go over five and a half. And this is going to be a magical season as Hugh Freeze is going up and down the sidelines between the 30s and his rascal.
0: There you have it. Permission to buy liberty. Liberty, liberty, liberty. You're all going to be singing that tune all year it's gonna get stuck in your head and if it gets stuck in my head it has to get stuck in your head as well uh let's finish up the two teams that you know really poor uh at the independence new mexico state and umass new mexico state was a team i actually wanted to buy but there's a really sharp number that came out maybe even a little too high three and a half win total or four under juiced you make it three this team does bring back a ton they had some bad injury luck last year so i think they. Should get some positive regression. They have a couple games on their schedule that they should win, but numbers seems about right. And then UMass is the team that I wanted to sell. They lost almost everybody, they lost as, as much as anyone in the country, new head coach in as well. But they have home games against Southern Illinois, Yukon Liberty, Coastal, and Akron. And then at Rutgers and at Charlotte. I mean, that schedule's a fucking joke. So I can't <laughs> bet the under. Uh, numbers seems about right. You make it 2.7. Any plays on either New Mexico State or UMass? No,
2: no plays on either of them. I'll say UMass brings in Walt Bell as his head, his head coach. Uh, after He was the offensive coordinator at FSU, offensive coordinator at Maryland. He never made those programs better. They were never better the day he left than the day before he arrived. He's a high motivator, but, you know, our our love of UMass is gone. New Mexico State, on the other hand, I mean, they returned some good players on defense. You know, the schedule is, is pretty unforgiving. Uh, and they do have an increased depth, but I mean, uh, Washington Washington state, Alabama, San Diego State, uh, it, it, it's just a tough schedule, you know, I mean they're they have under a touchdown point spread against Liberty twice, Central Michigan, New Mexico, and incarnate word. It would take a sweep of all those to get all, to get on the over.
0: yep, speaking of easy schedules, our army boys, they Oof. have uh, their win total is ten and it's juice to the over. This is a team that I believe is one. 10 and 11 games the last two years. But, you know, last year, their only losses were to Oklahoma at Oklahoma in overtime and then at Duke. Um, and then obviously they just smoked Houston in a bowl game. This year, I mean, this schedule, just listen to this. Besides at Michigan, which is a loss, uh, we assume here are their 11 other games home against Rice, win. <laughs> at UTSA, win. Home against Morgan State, win. Home against Tulane, maybe tricky at Western Kentucky, at Georgia State, home against San Jose State, at Air Force, I think a loss. Home against UMass, home against VMI, at Hawaii, then home against Navy. The schedule is really easy. I actually would lead under. I think this team you know, is due for some negative regression, but the schedule is just way too easy. I'm going to look for spots to fade them, I think, during the year, specifically Tulane and Air Force. Do you see anything with Army? So Army is a
2: team that's easy to handicap. You want to take them against defenses that can't control the trench, and that replies to stuff rate. So what I did was I went through their entire schedule, and I've already picked out the teams that I'm going to be playing on Army because they're going to control the trench against weak defensive front sevens, and I've already found the teams where I'm going to be fading Army. So in the list of terrible front sevens that, have, that had a bad stuff rate last year and they projected to have a bad stuff rate this year, is Rice. They were 86 last year. UTSA uh, was 37th, but they lost everybody in the defensive line. Tulane was 79th. Western Kentucky, 92nd. Georgia State, 130th. San Jose State, 78th. UMass was 28th, but they lose their entire front seven. Hawaii, 102nd. And Navy, 110th. And we're also going to take them, you know, VMI and Morgan State. So those are the games where we're going to be backing Army. On the flip side, the front sevens that return a whole bunch and will give Army a bunch of problems. Michigan was 15th against Stuff Rate. Air Force was 35th against stuff, rate, So those are the two where we're going to be looking to play against Army.
0: By the way, uh, Air Force at UTSA is uh, on NFL Network. Just thought that was (laughs) funny. But I'm actually going to have a piece also that's coming out early next week about when to fade and when to bet service academy schools. There's a lot of trends. and I'm not a trend player that apply and I believe in when it comes to the unique optional offenses of the service Academy. So take a look at that. And we'll, we'll talk about that next week on the week one episode. We've mentioned a lot of easy schedules of the independent teams. One team that does not have an easy schedule is BYU. Uh, I love this team, but the schedule is vicious. They do return 17 starters, nine on offense uh, with Wilson coming back at quarterback, who I love Zach Wilson, who just he's ridiculously accurate. And you saw that in their bowl game win total six and a half. You make it 8.2. Despite the really, really difficult schedule, I'd like the over. I would think that you would, too, given the number. Uh, you know, they, have, they were really young last year. They dealt with a lot of injury. There's a bad luck in that department. So they should get a positive regression bump, win a couple games, that they lost last year, that they really shouldn't have. So I like the over on BYU, and it wouldn't shock me if they beat Utah in on Week One. What are your thoughts on the Cougs?
2: Yeah, completely agree. I, I people are out there. I see it on my timeline saying, "How is this? This game is a trap. It's a trap." Uh, you know, they want you to they want you to buy Utah, but and, and, so it's not a trap, people. I mean, they just played each other on November twenty fourth last year. That was a very very short victory by Utah. This is a rivalry game. Uh, And BYU has a ton of talent. This is a tough start for Utah season for a team that we love. But Zach Wilson's coming off shoulder surgery. I think that happened in January or February. Uh, He had an absurdly fantastic potato bowl. He went 18 for 18 for 317 yards and four touchdowns. Zach Wilson is a name you're going to hear. Week after week after week, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. I can't wait to watch him. He gets four of his top five targets back, so that's good. Now, they lose Squally Canada running the ball, but they get a ton. Uh, they got a couple transfers coming in, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, You know that, that that's going to complement what, what Zach Wilson's is going to be able to do in the throwing game. The defense was number one overall in opponent ISO PPP. That's right. BYU was the best team in limiting explosive plays. Uh that's that's gonna be huge. I, I wanted BYU plus seven in the opening against Utah. It never got there. I sat on six, I sat on six and a half, opened it hit a key number, and then uh, some other people that thinking like me uh took some wax at it, knocked it down. There's no value at five whatsoever. I love this team's win total over. They can upset anybody on the slate in September. I don't care what what I mean, they beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin last year. A very highly rated Wisconsin team. They went in there and beat them last year. Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, they can beat all those teams in September. Don't ever count them out as underdogs, and they will be underdogs in all those games. The November schedule is cake. Probably end up seeing them getting into a mid-tier bowl again. Uh, you know, last year was kind of an anomaly because they were invited to the Potato Bowl over Wyoming, who was bowl eligible and has a conference tie. Uh, but I love BYU to go over their total this year. They're going to
0: make some disruption. I completely agree. Now let's finish up. Last but not least, Notre Dame fans, I made you wait uh, for the hundred and thirtieth team that we preview. Uh, we are finally done, Colin, after we talk about Notre Dame with Ian Book back under center. One of the things that I noticed, their win total is nine, under is minus 120. You make it 9.1. The, at first, when I looked at Notre Dame's schedule, it looked pretty straightforward to me. They're going to lose at Georgia. They're going to lose at Michigan. They really should win. You know, If they win all the other games that they're favored in, And they get to nine, and then you know they play at Stanford in the final game, but they might actually trip up somewhere else because they play six opponents off of a bye, including four of the final of their final five games or against opponents off of a bye. So at the end of the year, when you're dealing with injuries and you're fatigued, you're going to be playing four of your final five opponents who are coming off of a bye. So I think nine is spot on. I think they finish nine and three. I think they're either going to drop that Stanford game or trip up somewhere else, lose to Michigan and Georgia. You make it nine point one. I make it exactly nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Notre name's a good team. I just don't think that they're in that elite category and they've shown time and time again, they can't beat the Georgias and Alabama's of the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fight in Irish?
2: Yeah, I definitely think they have a better chance of having eight wins than 10 wins. And, and you're right about the, t- the extra time off. I saw somebody got into my timeline was telling me, you talk about bye weeks too much and it, it doesn't really mean anything. Kevin Sumlin just came out and said the biggest problem with Arizona football last year is that we had our bye week, like the second week of the year, and then we had to play 10 straight games. Galilte can never get healthy because we played 10 straight games. Bye weeks do matter, and what that means is Notre Dame is going to face a team that's fresh every single week. The quarterback depth is not there. With the Wimbush transfer down to Central Florida, Ian Book is backed up by Phil Jerkovic. Uh, he's a highly rated kid. He's still working on his mechanics, and he's trying to build some confidence, but it's just not what they had last year. Where they could interchange the two quarterbacks. Uh, Dexter Williams moves on from running back. Miles Boykin is gone. He had 96 targets at wide receiver. Uh, Ian Book has a new center. Uh, Sam Mustafer is cycled out. Uh, I love, you know, Clark Lee as a defensive coordinator, but let's talk about this. The reason why we hammered one of the biggest bets of the year that I had last year was Notre Dame taking on Stanford after Stanford had that bullshit win against Oregon last year putting Ugh. money on Notre Dame and covering that game was one of the greatest things in the world and the reason was because of Julian Love. Julian Love is one of the best in the nation at pass breakups. They lost Julian Love. Uh, you know they, They've lost a lot of what they have as far as defending teams like Stanford, the Stanford tree receivers that could just play tip ball. Uh, they lost a lot of those pass breakup guys. A lot of the havoc on their team is gone. They still have Troy Pride at corner but the other corner, uh, it, we don't know who's going to play that. So at Georgia, at Michigan, at Stanford to end the year, Uh, at home, USC, Virginia Tech, Virginia. Uh, It's just the
0: schedule is not a 10-win
2: schedule.
0: Yep, would agree, Uh, although I don't see any value in playing it. That will wrap up the independents. Let's finish up here. We'll go second down, final playoff predictions. This should be interesting. Uh, (laughs) I'm going my final playoff predictions, which I finalized about an hour ago. I have Michigan in there, which everyone knows. I have Clemson. It's hard not to put Clemson in there. I have Georgia. I think Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. After going through all of these teams and games, I'm putting Alabama in, and I think the big controversy at the end of the year is a two-loss Alabama is going to Oof. get into the college football playoff, and they're going to lose. I think at either at Texas A&M. Or at Auburn or at Miss State, I think they lose one of those games, and then they lose to Georgia. And they're going to get in with two losses. I think it's going to be the big controversy in college football. I'll save my champion for next. Your final playoff prediction? I'm going to go
2: with the number one seed being Clemson. And I mentioned that because
0: the number one seed has never won the college football
2: playoff. I'm going to go with the number one seed being Clemson. I'm going to go with Georgia and Oklahoma to fill spots two and three. I'm not... Warm on the, we said Michigan and Utah. We said that months ago when we first started podcasting that that would be the four seed. Nobody else has really kind of jumped up in all of this preseason work that we've done. It makes me think that someone's going to get up there and snatch it. So I'm going to say that if Utah can get past BYU, which I think they do barely, I'm going to take Utah getting, having one loss and being the team that gets in over a two loss Alabama,
0: which will just be a content. It'll just be content heaven. That's my. Um, Oh, boy. All right, so now let's go to <laughs> third down before we close out here. We'll name our national champion, our preseason national champion. Look, I went with not out on a limb with my playoff predictions while you did. I chose Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Clemson. But I am going to go out on a limb on my national champion and my national championship matchup, Georgia against Michigan. Georgia wins. Those are my two futures. Obviously, going to pick them to go to the national title. Uh, so I'm saying Georgia beats Michigan. I'll be rooting for Michigan with a better future. But that's my pick. Georgia, the dogs, get it done, win the SEC championship, and then they win the national championship over Michigan. Neither Alabama or Clemson plays in the national title. That is me going out on my limb. You? Let me ask you a question. Where was the site of the game where Bevo ran UGA off
2: the field and Texas smoked Georgia last year? Where, where was the game at? Where was the game at? Where the national championships gonna be played? that's what you're getting at? Exactly where the national championship's gonna be played. Georgia's gonna win the national championship in New Orleans over Clemson. They're gonna be hot, pissed, fired up the entire season, and returning to New Orleans is going to drudge up all kinds of emotions with these guys. I love it. Georgia's winning the national title. They beat Georgia, They beat Clemson in the championship game.
0: There you go. We will be at Westgate for the national title, rooting for Georgia. Hopefully, in that game, <laughs> uh, and hopefully we can have another successful. National championship. But before that, we have to get to the entire season. Uh I'm excited. I know Colin is excited. We have tons of content coming out. We even have a show we're gonna be doing. Make sure you stay tuned to our Twitters. We'll have info on that. It'll be six Eastern on Saturday night. We'll be doing that every week. Kind of a variation on chalk talk, what we did last year. More details to come on that. Thank you for listening. Shout to John Murray. Thanks for joining us. Thanks as always to Colin for joining me and thank you for listening. And this, I have to say, because it's week one voicemails if you bet on miami even if you bet on the fcs games leave us voicemails uh, we'll be playing them on monday you can bitch about your losses you can scream at us for bad takes you can thank us uh you can say whatever you want we'll play the best ones so with only two games i need all of you to load up the voicemail uh to make for an entertaining monday episode the number which is on my twitter account Stucky 2 the number is 575 it's five, seven, five, six, five, five, zero, six, six, four. Take it all out on us. Your first college football bets uh, on Saturday night. If you haven't review us, leave a comment, subscribe, unsubscribe. You know, the deal we'll catch you all on Saturday night on our video show. And we'll catch you back here on Monday morning. Cheers. Peace out.